What does barbecue mean to you? It's all about family. Good food. Summertime and friends. Of nostalgia. A whole lot of tasty. Soul-filling, belly-filling goodness. All of my favorite foods. A cultural touchstone. For me, it's a tether to the people who came before me. Getting together with family and friends. Coming to you from the basement studio at Eat More Barbecue World Headquarters, this is episode 242 of Canada's Barbecue Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sanderson, and I thank you for tuning in, downloading, and listening. However you're all making that happen, I do appreciate it. John T. Edge is a journalist, educator, historian, and serves as the founding director of the Southern Foodways Alliance. I first learned of John T. listening to him host the SFA podcast, Gravy, and I'm excited to bring you this conversation with him. And I want to send a special thank you out to Tommy Tomlinson for putting us in contact. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Motley Q. Not only does Motley Q offer a great lineup of award-winning rubs and sauces, they also teach some of the best barbecue classes going. Visit motleyq.ca and click on the Classes tab to see the full schedule. There are a number of full-day classes to choose from, like King of the Grill, a great class for beginners, and Big Game Prep, great for tailgating or hockey playoff parties. In addition to the full-day classes, they have a selection of micro-classes coming up, including brisket, steak, ribs, and more. I had the chance to take one of the classes with Big Joe and Jess a couple years back, and it was a great entertaining experience with tons of great food and loads of knowledge. Again, the website is motleyq.ca. That's M-O-T-L-E-Y-Q-U-E dot C-A. Click on the Classes tab to find the whole schedule of classes coming up in Edmonton. There is much that I could say to introduce my guest this week. He first hit my radar as the host of the Gravy Podcast, but as I prepared for our conversation today, podcast host barely made the list. I'm very excited to welcome writer, educator, food historian, and much more, John T. Edge, to the show. John T., welcome to Canada's Barbecue Podcast. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, Ryan. Uh, I bet it's warmer where I am compared to where you are. I imagine so. We're uh, we're right about freezing today, which for us this time of year is pretty decent. So uh, no complaints for sure. But uh, you're in Oxford, Mississippi, right? I am indeed, and it's it's closing in on seventy here. So I'm doing the math to convert yeah, to Celsius. Yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. uh, I think that's about yeah. around twenty degrees, twenty Celsius. So that's pretty. Uh, yeah, we won't see uh, temps like that for a few months here. So. Hasn't been a horrible winter, so can't complain, really. So, Good. Uh, John Good. T., the first question I ask everybody is, uh, what does barbecue mean to you? Um, uh, I mean, we could spend the whole hour talking about <laughs> that, but, you know, I, um, I, uh, I grew up about, I don't know, I, I don't know how far the stretch is, but let's say a mile from my hometown barbecue joint and could ride my bike up there and did ride my bike up there as a boy to get a Mm -hmm. sandwich um, made of shoulder and a ham with a thin red vinegar sauce and um, Brunswick stew and uh, Mountain Dew or an orange crush. Um, You know, that that was the Saturday lunch of Mm -hmm. my childhood. So in many ways, barbecue is was the first public food of my life okay. um, yeah. and uh, and remains kind of the the food um, I don't know the food that that compels me to travel you know when I was a boy that was a, a mile ride on my mm-hmm. bike now yeah. it's you know 50 miles to this place or 100 miles to that place it's um it's a deeply important food to me mm-hmm culturally as well as as um gastronomically if i can use that word in that way Um, 
it's the food on which um, my son grew up um, with us driving to go eat barbecue too. So mm. it links to family as well. Yeah, there seems to be something about barbecue that people travel for. You hear, uh, and and maybe I'm just not in those uh, circles, but you don't hear about other foods of people doing road trips and crawls and try, trying out all these different, uh, different types of food, whereas uh, yeah. you certainly do uh, in the South, particularly with, uh, with barbecue. We're, we, we don't quite have the culture grown up here in Canada yet, but we're working on it. But uh, well, it certainly I, seems to be a thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do hear from people who make pilgrimages in search of fried chicken or pilgrimages okay. in search of great biscuits and the like. But, mm-hmm. but more often I hear the travel for barbecue. And I think that's because, you know, great barbecue um, is not – even here where I live in the deep South, not an everyday thing, um, you know, to get really good barbecue um, for me, I'd have to travel an hour, um, you know, even in the small town where I live, Mm -hmm. there's good barbecue here. um, But um, the kind of stuff that, that makes my heart go pitter pat is an hour drive. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, a little bit about uh, your background, kind of the origin story. Uh, uh, where'd you grow up? That sort of thing. Yeah. So I mentioned the barbecue joint. And that barbecue mm-hmm. joint was in Clinton, Georgia, which okay. is a, a very small town. Like when I was growing up, a, maybe a hundred person town. Um, during the 1820s, it was the fourth largest town in Georgia. And then it wasn't. Um, and uh, um, so I grew up with a... Um, a, a mother who was um, uh, a frustrated small town southerner who didn't want to live in the small town south and lived all her life in successively smaller towns in the south. I grew up with a father who was a lifelong civil servant um, who uh, who was a great man of great morality and and uh, who because he worked in the federal court system the federal. Um, correction system traveled a lot through Georgia and knew great food and mm-hmm. cared about great food. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up with these parents that I can see so much of my current life coursing um, through theirs and, mm-hmm. and me carrying forward um, hopefully the best of them. Right. Wonderful. And when did the move to Mississippi uh, come in? So, um, I was not a um, I was not a great student my first time around in college. I was a really good um, I was going to say I was a good dancer, but that would be an <laughs> exaggeration. I, I was a pretty good dancer and a real good drinker right. in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, so I flunked out of the University of Georgia in the nineteen eighties um, and uh, and went back to school after after. University of Georgia in Athens in the 80s. I lived in Atlanta for a decade and, okay. and a few other cities too. Uh, but, you know, the idea that I'd flunked out of college kind of bothered me. It, it, I think I, I know I disappointed my father and I disappointed myself. So um, I moved to Oxford, Mississippi in 1995, um, not knowing a soul. Mm. I mean, literally, I didn't know a person in town. Um, I had one phone number of a friend of a friend, um, and I moved here to go back to school to rededicate myself to to college and, and to get a, 
um, an undergraduate degree in Southern Studies mm-hmm. and then a graduate degree in Southern Studies, both of which are interdisciplinary um, looks at the American South. So that that's what drew me here in 95. And, you know, I, I ended up making a life here and mm-hmm. being the woman who became um, my wife, still is my wife, yep. um, happily so. And um, our son born here and raised here. Um you know, I, I still have Georgia blood running through me, but I'm very much at home and, and happy here in Oxford, Mississippi. Sounds uh, the fellow that introduced you and I together, uh, Tommy Tomlinson, uh, another uh, Georgia native who's uh, been suppl- right. supplanted. Right. And uh, yeah, uh, and I, you know, we ta- I mentioned the Gravy podcast. Uh, it was on that show that I first heard Tommy and kind of got interested in his story. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, thank you to Tommy for putting sure. uh, hooking the two of us up together. So uh, I guess let's yeah. kind of get into uh, what you're doing these days. Uh, sure. Uh, working and uh, teaching at the university as well as uh, mm-hmm. writing and TV. So kind of, I guess, maybe start yeah. with the work at yeah. the university. Yeah. So um, for, for 20 odd years, I directed um, the Southern Foodways Alliance at the University of mm-hmm. Mississippi. I was the founding director of that, and yeah. in that role was host of Gravy Podcast, mm-hmm. which still continues. Yes. It's really great. It's hosted by colleagues of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now, in essence, director emeritus of that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, my colleagues run the Southern Foodways Alliance and run Gravy, both the podcast and the really good journal mm-hmm. that Southern Foodways Alliance publishes. So now at the university, I'm a writer in residence here, which okay. means I write and teach. Um, and I'm also working um, with an effort called the Mississippi Lab. Um, and a project of the Mississippi Lab is to build a, a writer's residency okay. um, out on land that was once owned by William Faulkner. It was a mule farm for mm-hmm. Faulkner, the Nobel laureate. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm working to turn that land into a writer's residency that will support oh, f- future generations of writers in, in Mississippi. And so that's my university gig. And then I got a couple other gigs yeah. um, as a writer and, and TV dude. Yep. Uh, some books, uh, I was looking on your website, the, the pot liquor paper. Is that, is that the most recent, uh, it is, release? it is. That's a, you know, the pot liquor papers is a history of the South told through food, mm-hmm. uh, beginning in 1955 with the Montgomery bus boycotts, um, and moving, um, forward from there, um, to 2015. So a 60 year span of time that looks at the dynamism of the South, about how the South has changed and looks at, at, um, you know, the farmers and cooks and waiters, um, and, um, consumers as kind of agents in this kind of pageant of the South. And how do we tell the story of the South through food? And it reveals, you know, schisms of based on, racism and class difference and gender inequity. And it also shows us the ways in which food um, knits the South together or a place that's often riven um, can, how it can um, at times knit the South together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my most recent book. I'm working on another one now. And then um, I also write a, a magazine column for um, Garden and Gun magazine, which is published out of Charleston, South Carolina. I write a, a restaurant column for them that are not so much um, uh, reviews as um, kind of deep cultural impressions, um, reports from a place. Um, and then 
for the last five years, I've hosted a television show, which right. is still to me a goofy thing to say. I, I shouldn't get to host a television <laughs> show, but I, but I love the work and yeah. I love my colleagues. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we'll touch on that here. Uh, I'm curious, and you mentioned you know growing up with your father as a civil servant and uh, him doing a fair bit mm-hmm. of traveling. Do you feel that that is where your interest in a food and b the history of the South is that? Do you think that's where that came from, or somewhere else for you? I mean, it it, it all weaves together. Um, yes, and I, I guess is my answer. So, um, you know, my mother and father were were interested in the history of the South and the history of the place where I grew up. Um, I was pretty profoundly interested in that too. You know, my, my politics and my interests have changed since this moment. But when I was a boy, I was fascinated with the civil war. Um, and uh, I grew up in the home of a Confederate brigadier general, um, whose, whose father, um, who, whose father led the secession of Georgia, helped lead the secession of Georgia from the union. Okay. Um, so I grew up in a place kind of ed up with history, mm-hmm. um, and, and with, you know, as now I, I, um, have learned to read between the lines, you know, there were, um, I lived with the, the lies of history as well, um, mm-hmm. that, that, um, Alfred Iverson, the, the gentleman who was born in my house, the Confederate Brigadier General, I grew up believing he was a a great hero. And in fact, he's probably um, one of the the, um, most ignominious um, battlefield leaders of the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, you know, uh, all those things that, that kind of, you know, the stories I grew up with, the narratives I inherited, um, my father's um, curiosity about the world and drive, you know, he was curious about the South in a way that was unconventional. Like he, he loved to go to barbecue joints, but he would also take me driving. You know, we lived about an hour from Atlanta, so he would go explore um, Buford Highway, which is Atlanta's kind of multicultural corridor. Um, and um, he he would go by you know, black chickens from the low boy freezers in Chinese markets. And we, I'd eat dried squid um, that he'd bring, bring home from markets. Like, you know, all those, my father's curiosities um, mm-hmm. kind of percolated in me. That's oh, wonderful. Nice that you, yeah, to, having that uh, openness to try new things uh, kind of ingrained in you. Uh, I, I can't say the yeah. same for me. I was certainly uh, growing up much more... <laughs> Uh, simple tastes, but uh, have tried to expand that as I've uh, as I've grown here. Uh, it, it's interesting you talk about uh, with the Civil War and uh, reading between the lines and things. We seem to be up here in Canada. We certainly don't have the same history regarding slavery and stuff, but we're over the last few years certainly a reckoning here with the treatment uh, over the history of our country with the indigenous people here. And the, so we're, I, I see some parallels there uh, with what uh, sure. uh, the South particularly, but the the United States and what we're dealing with here uh, just uh, with that. I, so, and uh, with, with this podcast, I've tried to shine a light a little bit on indigenous foods uh, here in Canada a little bit and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's important work. It is indeed. It is indeed. 
More coming up with John T. Edge after this as we talk about his TV show True South and his work with the Southern Foodways Alliance. But first, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Township 27. Township 27 develops, produces, distributes, and sells the highest quality pantry spices, herbs, spice blends, sauces, salad dressings, and condiments for people who love food. All of their products are produced by hand in small batches using only the highest quality ingredients to maintain the full flavor and freshness that their customers have come to expect. Township 27 has searched the globe looking for the finest ingredients to go into their products and they are excited to share the bounty with you. All Township 27 products are gluten-free, cholesterol-free, MSG-free, and are pure, with no added fillers or preservatives. Township 27 is proudly Alberta-owned and produce all of their products locally right in Rocky View County, Alberta. If you're looking for the best in spices, blends, sauces, and condiments, whether it be retail, wholesale, or bulk, check them out at www.township27.com and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. Let's talk about the the TV show, True South. Kind of how did that... uh, a little bit about it and how it came to be for you. Sure. Well, we, we, you know, we talked about where I live now, Oxford, Mississippi. And, um, you know, I live, my wife and I live about four blocks south of the square and, and our great friend, Wright Thompson and his wife, Sonia and their children live about four blocks north of the square and, and writes, um, a senior writer for ESPN, um, a, a really a good soul and, uh, um, in a, in a great imaginer, um, and uh, um, right now I had lunch about seven years ago now, six years ago. I, I, I lose track. Um, ate some cheeseburgers and, and crinkle cut fries at, at Handy Andy um, um, here in Oxford and started talking about um, yeah, there's a little bit of ego in this, a little bit of uh, righteous indignation. Like, you know, there's no, there very rarely does TV get the South right. Um, and very rarely does food TV get the South right. How could we make a show that attempts to get the South right? No one will fail, but we'll at least try. Right. Um, and um, so we wrote a, a, a short proposal, right? Had, um, you know, the connections there at ESPN and the SCC network. Um, and we pitched it mm-hmm. and, and, um, they took a chance. Um, you know, it, it was, you know, it was a bold thing for the network to do. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 a woman named Rosalind Durant, um, who was the president of the network at that point, greenlit it, and you know, the folks at the SEC um, offices, um, Greg Sankey and Charlie Hussey, got behind it. Um, and then, you know, we found a great collaborator in Tim Horgan, our director. Um, Wright's executive producer. I'm the host. Tim's the director, and and we've got a a camera crew that returns with us each time who are heroes. Um, you know, I I shouldn't have been given the keys to a Lamborghini, but I was. You know, it's pretty amazing. So for for the folks up here in Canada that maybe aren't uh, familiar, yeah. the the SEC. Um, right. Explain what that that's is really South quick, because that's it's yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's the Southeastern Conference. Um, you know, it, it it you know for us it spans teams from Texas, um, you know Texas A and M, and soon the University of Texas, through um, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, mm-hmm. South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, um, maybe I'm leaving out of state, uh, Missouri, mm-hmm. um, but it is you know it is a deep South football proud and powerful 
conference, yeah. sports conference. Um, and that conference also benefits from and supports a television network. Right. Um, and, uh, and through ESPN, um, you know, programs, um, you know, a robust schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what the network basically said was, you know, we've built this audience and we think this audience um, is interested not only in sports in the South, but mm-hmm. but cultural identity of the South, um, you know, that it, to the point of your show, that they would be, this audience would be as interested in barbecue as they are in the score of the Alabama-Auburn game. Right. Um, so that that was the that was the chance they took, and we've built out this show that's about identity and um, and it's about food and it's about culture and it's about change and it's about food. It's about um, you know oftentimes it's about barbecue yeah. because if 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 these southerners and, and expatriate southerners and and people who live beyond the South and are interested in the South, if mm-hmm. if they if they respond to any food um, with with um, zeal and zest, it's it's barbecue. Very often, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, is it available anywhere else? Uh, streaming anywhere uh, other than on SEC yeah, and ESPN? You can, you can, yeah, you can stream it through ESPN, and okay. you also can stream through Hulu too. Okay, Hulu. Um, okay. So if you, yeah, if you've got Hulu, you've got we do, access. Yeah, we do have Hulu up here, so that's um, I'll have to see if I yeah. can uh, track it down up here uh, north of the border. So yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe if you any kind of interesting moments from the show over the five years that sure. jump out for you. You know, I, I think we did a we did a um, a show in um, Beaumont, Texas, um, in our. Um, in our was that our second season? I think it was our second season. It was our second season, um, and um, Beaumont is um, on the eastern edge of the state. Down, um, it's you know it's east of Houston, center for kinda, oil yeah. production. Yeah. It's where um, you know the big spindle top um, oil um, uh, well. Mm-hmm. Kind of exploded, and with that exploded the Texas oil market. Um, you know, it's kind of a boom and bust town that rose on that discovery of oil, and then fell um, when that industry becomes less important in that town, and that reserve becomes less important. Um, and out of that boom and bust economy has grown a particular style of barbecue. Um, there are sausages which are lovingly called in that area of texas grease balls um and uh there is a a a barbecue joint there we we went to um patillo's is the the old guard there Mm -hmm. um and patillo's um serves um a a quite luxurious grease ball that just (laughs) there's a shot in the show where basically it the show opens with you know squeezing a link of sausage, mm-hmm. and you just see the grease just drip, 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 mm-hmm. um, and that's the way that barbecue announces its presence is in the drip of the grease from the link. Nice. Um, and it is worth traveling for. It is worth you know gassing up your pinto in in, in you know in Calgary and Holland South for. Yes. Yeah, well, I do. I do with my work. I I get down to Houston from time to time. So I haven't gone that way. I've usually gone uh, going gone the other direction towards Austin when I'm doing my barbecue sure. runs down there. But uh, it's on the list, and I've heard of Patillos and uh, 
and the grease bombs, the, the hot guts, I guess they call them as well, right? So. Well, that's that's a different hot guts are a different. Oh, is that something um, different? Okay, different sausage. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's um, hot guts are are you'd find that um uh, back um west of there. Okay. Um, back toward in Austin in a, a town, particularly Elgin, Texas. Elgin, yep. Um, yep. It's kind of the epicenter of that, but yeah. okay. hot guts um are everywhere. Grease balls and hot guts are, are, are friends, but they're not the same. All right, good to know. I learned something. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I want to touch on the Southern Foodways Alliance. Uh, you mentioned, you know, founder of that. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that yeah. come to be for you? And the reason I'm curious is, I, I, you know, I've, I've looked at, we don't have anything like that up here in Alberta, Canada, uh, right. this area specifically, trying to promote that f- food culture. So I'm just curious uh, from a personal reason, uh, kind of how that came to be for you and... Uh, Explain yeah. to folks what it uh, what it is and what it does. Sure. So the the Southern Foodways Alliance um, was founded in in 1999. Um, Fifty founders came together from across the South. So it was everyone from um, from Leah Chase, um, the grand dame of Creole cooking in New Orleans, um, to um, to uh, Van Sykes, who has Bob Sykes Barbecue in Bessemer, Alabama, just outside Birmingham. Um, and they came together with the idea of establishing an organization like the one that that I ran for so long um, that documents and studies and explores Southern food culture in, in all its diversity. Um, and the group has, in the years since, um, made films, made over a hundred documentary films, um, good quality films, not just, you know, turn a camera on and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and capture what's transpiring, but narrative films, um, about, about, um, the South through food. Um, um, also a really important archive of oral histories. So in this case, sitting down with someone and saying, you know, tell me your life story. Tell me how you came up. Tell me, it's not about collecting the recipes, but understanding their life with food as the prompt. Um, and then, you know, staging events. So when I was in grad school, I started a symposium on Southern food culture the year before the Southern Foodways Alliance was founded. Okay. So that was 1998. And those events, um, which um, like began selling out very quickly and, and drew a pretty big national and international audience, um, became a, a point where people who were interested in food as a cultural artifact, not just like, where do I go eat? Not just about dining recommendations, but understanding the culture and history of food came together and found each other, um, you know, and so... Um, you know, there would be themes for each year, each symposium we did in Oxford, Mississippi, on the campus of the University of Mississippi. One year, Mike, we've had three barbecue symposia now, one in 2002, one in 2012, another in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also studied um, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which desegregated restaurants. So we marked the 40th anniversary of that, the 50th anniversary of that. Mm-hmm. Um We've also studied, you know, gender or a particular subregion of the South, Appalachia. Um, and those events, um, you know, were kind of tent revivals and also, uh, you know, um, great places to eat and drink and also serious-minded 
presentations mm-hmm. um, all combined together. Um, and then the other piece of it is a media enterprise. So right. um, the podcast you mentioned, Gravy, mm-hmm. the journal Gravy, um, and, and a really robust website that delivers a lot of the content too. Wonderful. It's a. I mean, I'm really proud of that work, and really thankful that uh, I get to cheer on from the sidelines now as my colleagues continue the work. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. No, it's great to see. Uh, I got a question for you: Is for you, what is the South? What's the region like re- geographically? Another, I mean, another lifelong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I should also say that that you know that all that Southern Freeways Alliance work. Um, is all free and accessible mm-hmm. um, to, to, to all who, who aim to use it at southernfoodways.org. So um, if people are interested in that work, they can, you know, can download or stream all of that at, um, at no cost. Um, um, what was your question? Uh, geographically for you, what, what's the South? Oh, uh, what is the South? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you can define the South geographically. I think you can define it historically. Yes. I think you can define it. Um, in so many different ways, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I resist the geographical okay. Fair enough. limits um, because I think there are parts of Chicago that are profoundly Southern, um, you know, they're mm-hmm. expatriate Mississippians living in Southside Chicago, right. making a very Southern life for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I definitely think that there are, are, you know, precincts in Texas that are part of the South and certainly, Florida and Missouri and um, so the, the geographical stuff I find unimportant as a I mean I don't mean to dismiss your question. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Like, it's just it's it's like I'm more interested in um, the dynamism of the South mm-hmm. I am than definition right. of the South. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm more interested in the ways in which you know if you drive around Houston you know well like you see you know. Vietnamese crawfish joints. Like mm. I, I'm fascinated by all the ways in which Southern food continues to change and remains Southern food and, and accommodates new arrivals and, and morphs and twists and becomes something fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it is interesting to see those uh, different cultures come together and uh, bl- blend and mix and come up with something all something. Yeah. New, right. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's exciting. It means, it means that, you know, the culture is alive and, and sustainable and mm-hmm. um, rich and will grow and prosper. Yeah, we're, we're seeing that a little bit up here, whereas as the barbecue culture grows, uh, folks are taking it and putting their, you know, Canadian twist on it and coming up with, uh, uh-huh. you know, different uh, flavor profiles or different ways of presenting the barbecue, uh, you know, yeah. taking something more traditionally Canadian and adding in uh, the barbecue uh, to it right so we're seeing a little bit of yeah that's that's exciting yeah it is uh and i I would i would love to you know know more about that eat eat more of that kind of food Uh, be curious to see what y'all do yeah we got uh you know i I don't know if you're familiar with poutine uh, poutine sure Uh, yeah you know you'll get places that are serving that and adding barbecue meats onto it uh as Uh simple as that and obviously uh folks doing more complex things but that's a, a quick uh a quick example of what uh, what's happening. So, I, I can taste that in my head. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, some nice, uh, some good brisket on a poutine is a nice way to go. So, yeah. So what uh, what's kind of coming up next for you? You mentioned uh, another book in the works. Yeah, I'm working on a book now. That's a it's a um, uh, 
it's it's really a um, a memoir. It's it's about you know my upbringing in, in nice. small town Georgia, about which I just spoke, and it's mm-hmm. it's um it's also a um it's a look at the various narratives that I've inherited. Um, you know, I mentioned the the narrative of 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 the um, the Confederate general um, mm-hmm. um, who owned the house or was born in the house where I grew up. Um, and then it's, it's the narrative of, of, you know, the South, um, that I want to make, you know, for our son and, and for myself. So it's a narrative of change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like, I feel a responsibility to the South to tell new stories from the South. And a lot of that's been my career. Mm-hmm. That's been the Southern Two Ways Alliance work. That's the true South work. It's, you know, how do you, how do you make progress and positive change in a place by changing the stories a place tells about itself? Mm-hmm. That's the gig. Yep. Well, um, now you I feel you, real lucky to get to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just going to say, you know, for me being up here and not having, you know, aside from a few trips to Houston, not having the opportunity to spend much time uh, in the Southern States. Um, we certainly, right. have, we certainly have a picture of the South in our heads up here. Uh, and I, I'm happy to be able to say that, you know, through the, the SFA work, through listening to gravy, uh, Tommy's podcast, Southbound, um, it's certainly, yeah, it's cha- so great. It, it's so certainly great. changed the picture I have of the South, uh, I think yeah. giving me a more realistic look of, uh, of what is going on down there and uh, what it's all about. So, yeah, Tom, Tommy's a great, um, friend, great collaborator, mm-hmm. um, uh, admire him um so much yeah I do yeah no and i uh, had a wonderful conversation with him uh late last year and uh, yeah no great great guy and uh, his story and really enjoy it so um where can folks uh find you if they're looking to learn more about you john t what's the best way to sure track you down um, i have a website which is you know john t edge.com and and uh you know as it mentioned true south is available um streaming on Hulu um, and other platforms, and then Southern Foodways Alliance work is all free and accessible at southernfoodways.org. So I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. I meant to ask earlier, do you do much uh, barbecue-type cooking at home? I do. Yeah. I do. I, 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 I like to cook, cook pork butts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I um, often spatchcock a chicken and, and, and cook it that way. I've got a big green egg that I inherited from my mother-in-law. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a big part of our big part of our entertaining lives and our, our Saturday and Sunday lives. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, last question I ask everybody: uh, You got the gray, the egg fired up. What's uh, what's the go-to for you? Um, I'm trying to think about what I'll cook next on the egg. Um, I'll probably be a, a pork butt. Yeah. I've got one in the freezer. I, you know, right now our son's off at college, so it's just my wife and me. So I cut a pork butt in half. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, and uh, I um, I don't often use a, a, a lot of rubs. I use salt and pepper. Um, and uh, I make a vinegar sauce for it, mm-hmm. much like the vinegar sauce that I knew as a boy growing up in Georgia. Um, if I don't make my own, I, I use stuff from Fresh Air Barbecue in Floodville, Georgia, mm-hmm. which was about an hour from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I cooked the pork butt over over hickory um, in big hickory chunks mm-hmm. in that big green egg and. 
um, I hope I don't burn it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Pork butt's pretty forgiving, right? So that's a nice thing about that one. So it is indeed. It is indeed. I need lots of forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> John T., uh, thanks so much for doing this, uh, taking some time out of your day. Thank I you, uh, really appreciate it. It was a lot of going back and forth trying to figure out a time that worked for us both. So glad we could uh, nail it down here. It was great. Uh, Great chatting with you and learning about uh, your work and uh, the SFA work and everything. So I appreciate it. Thank you, you, Ryan. And thank you for your work. I I appreciate your energy and enthusiasm and smarts. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, sir. You are listening to Canada's longest running barbecue podcast, and it is time now for some barbecue news brought to you by the Barrel Boss Q, a family-owned and operated small business in Leduc County, Alberta, and the manufacturer of the original Canadian drum smoker. Whether it's in the backyard or on the competition circuit, Kelly Troy and the Barrel Boss Q team are driven by the desire to watch their clients showcase their cooking talents, to slow down a bit, and spend some quality time with family and friends. From entry level all the way to fully loaded models, Barrel Boss Q has the charcoal drum smokers and accessories you need to be the barbecue boss of your block or maybe get a walk at the next competition. Shipping to customers across Canada and the U.S., Barrel Boss Q spends time talking to their clients to make sure each and every smoker they make is special and meets the needs of the customer. Barrel Boss Q is honored to be a part of their customers' barbecue journeys. I'm proud to be a part of the Barrel Boss Q family, and I highly recommend you give them a look if you're in the market for a charcoal drum smoker. Visit them online at barrelbossq.ca, that's B-A-R-R-E-L-B-O-S-S, the letter Q.ca, and follow them on Facebook and Instagram, and tell them you heard about them on Eat More Barbecue. I read an interesting article in the latest edition of the Smoke Sheet newsletter this week about the availability and quality of barbecue options at Disney World down in Florida. To summarize, yes, there is barbecue to be had, and no, it isn't the best thing going. Check out bbqnewsletter.com to read it, along with all the other great stuff, and be sure to subscribe. Ryan and Sean do a great job with this newsletter. My wife and I are headed to California in May, and we'll be spending some time at Disneyland. I don't have any plans to check out the barbecue while we're at the parks, but I am hoping to check out one or two spots while we're in the area. Hit me up with your recommendations. A bit of disappointing news from our friends in Invermere, B.C. this week as they announced that the Columbia Valley Smoke Show competition has been put on hold for this year with plans to return next summer. The event was scheduled for June 24th to the 25th. Moose Knuckle Barbecue was there last year for the inaugural competition and I think this has the potential to really grow into something great so here's hoping it returns next year. I'm always looking for guest ideas for the show so email me at eatmorebarbecue at gmail.com if there is someone you'd like to hear from. You can find me online at www.eatmorebarbecue.ca and also at albertabbqtrail.ca where you can check out the listing of barbecue joints here in Alberta and then get on out there and give them your support. If you're not in Alberta, get out to your local barbecue joints and show them some love. Thanks to Alan Orban for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. That's a wrap, everybody. See you all next week and keep on smoking.